0: If you'd open your Bible to Luke chapter 2, we're going to read from there. We'll start in in verse 1, and uh, it's good to read familiar passages. There there are times where I I think, like, I know that. I know everything that's there in that passage. And then you hear it read again, uh, and there's just something uh, wonderful about hearing uh, the, the, the story again, revisiting it uh, that, that, that feels at once new and yet at the same time familiar. And so it is, it is fitting to, uh, to consider the birth of Jesus today as we will be celebrating it uh, tomorrow. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, the scriptures say, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, to the town, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Let's pray. Father, it is good that we are gathered here to worship you. There are those who would pop our balloon by informing us that historically it is possible that Jesus was not born on December 25th but I believe that when we gather and celebrate the night before Jesus' birth and when we gather as Christians and we celebrate by giving gifts that the date of Jesus' birth is not what we are celebrating. What we are gathered to celebrate is the fact that you gave that you loved in such a way that you gave your prized possession you gave your son to us that we might be free from our sins that we might receive forgiveness and beyond that that we might receive the adoption as sons the blessing the promise that you hold out to us is not just that our sins are forgiven and we can go away, but that you invite us to become family. You promise adoption as your children. You promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. What amazing good news. And so, Father, we pray that as we approach the scriptures, as we look into the manger, we pray that we would not walk away unchanged. But just as the shepherds had an experience that changed them, we pray that we would be reminded of what we believe or that we would discover something new at the manger And that we would walk away as the shepherds did, amazed, overjoyed, and ready to share with others who need to hear. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your encouragement to us. We pray that you would speak to us now from your word, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Prepping for uh, a Christmas message, uh, sometimes... You, uh, you know, at, at this point, I've, I've probably done uh, 15 years of Christmas messages. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's three messages a year, sometimes it's four. And uh, so in, in, in prepping for Christmas, it's like, okay, let's, let's see if there's anything out there that I've not said yet. Is there anything new? And so I go to that grand... Storehouse of human knowledge, known as Google, and I start to look for maybe some new thing that I've not yet heard, um, and and so I, I was I was thinking about today, and so I'm I'm typing in manger, right, you know, and looking, and of course the uh, the story of the hymn away in the manger came up, you know, not not going to do that. Um, there's the underneath the Google box if you're familiar with Google, and I'm I'm sure you are. It says, are you sure you didn't mean Manager, right? And then there are, uh, th- there's this thing out there, I have no knowledge, so if you go, you do this at your own risk. Uh, there's, there's I am the manager stories that are out there, I don't know what they are, um, but there's also all these stories that are attributed or connected to the misspelling, and so there's like how to be a good manger, you know, which <laughs> are probably referring to manager, not, you know, the act of, of holding feed for animals. Uh, one that I, I, I scrolled past, like three, I'm, I'm like, come on, give me something good, give me something good, you know, and I'm on like page four, and I keep seeing the story or the fable of the dog in the manger, and I'm like, what is this, like some chicken suit for the soul, Hallmark movie thing, but this goes all the way back to Aesop, so interesting, Aesop, you know, he's been around for a while, and so I, I, I check it out, and here's, here's the story. Uh, a dog in search of a place to take a nap goes and finds a manger full of hay and stretches out and is, is sleeping. I imagine my dog in the way that he sleeps is just kind of carefree, you know, and 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 curled up and relaxing and warm and, and basking in this little nest that he has found. And as the day draws to a close, the cattle come in, and they are hungry, they have been working, and so they are coming to the manger. And when the dog realizes that he is going to be disturbed, that they are going to take his nice, warm bed from him, he begins to growl at them, and bark at them, and uh, to guard it as if it was full of meat and bones, all for himself. Well, the story goes on, and the cattle look at the dog in disgust and say how selfish he is. He can't eat the hay, and yet he will not let us eat from it, who are so hungry. The farmer comes in, he's got a stick, he scolds the dog, bad dog, and drives the dog away. We're going we're gonna to look at the the, the Christmas story, the story of the manger. We're going to come back to this, because I, I, I read it, and I thought, that's interesting. I, I judged it at first and, and said, no, you know, this is... This is junk, but man, I, I, I couldn't shake it. Um, I think it's it's been with us for so long. This fable that uh, that, that, that there's a there's a, a deep meaning in it. Let's let's review the Christmas story. We could call the first part in a manger. We're we're told that uh, that that Joseph needs to take his bride, who is uh, who is bearing. Her first child, presumably their first child. Not everybody in the world knows this, but the the circumstances have been related in a in a different chapter of how this came to pass. And there is a decree that they need to be registered, right? The news right now is a buzz with all kinds of, of noise and stories about taxes, right? Congress passed some kind of bill, and it's good for some and bad for others, and who knows what's really going on, right? Taxes, not something that causes joy or happiness, right? So Joseph, in order to, to be enrolled and counted, has to go and to pay his tax. It's a very human thing, right? Now, Joseph probably is not thinking, I gotta pack up, I gotta travel, I gotta go pay taxes, all in the middle of the Christmas season, right? Because there was no Christmas season yet. But what God is doing is he is moving Joseph from Nazareth, where he's living, to Bethlehem because that is where Messiah is supposed to be born. There are all these prophecies in the scriptures which need to be fulfilled so that when we look at Messiah, when we look for the one whom God foretold and he presents his identification to us, it matches. Right? I'll call in to a company, um, you know, say it's the, the company that, that holds the loan on our car. And I'll call in, and I'll say, hey, I got a question about this. Right? You know, and I start asking some questions. And, and then they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Right? And they'll say, can you confirm your address, date of birth, mother's maiden name, blood type, blah, blah, blah. You know, and you've got to code in. You've got to present your ID. Because not just anybody can call in and get a bunch of details. They need to protect. They need to verify and make sure it's actually you. The claims of Christ are absolute. Jesus is claiming absolute allegiance. He's calling that we live an exceptional, different life, that we live a life of holiness, and that we are dedicated and devoted. And I think that some might say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like, Let's see some ID here. Who are you? The prophecies that are laid out in the scriptures are there so that we can see that no one could arrange for their life to be like this. The the odds of fulfilling even 10 of these prophecies, evangelist Josh McDowell has said, is as if you were to spread Texas, it's pretty big, Texas, right? Spread it a foot deep, full of silver dollars. Silver dollars, back in the days when we used actual money, were, uh, uh, you know, so, A whole dollar in a coin. If you were to mark one of them, mix up Texas, and throw it in there, the odds of you fulfilling just 10 of the prophecies associated with Jesus are as if you got one shot to dig out one of those coins and find the one that had been marked. That's crazy odds. The Bible is full of prophecies. I've heard numbers as high as 700 different ones associated with Jesus. Can you imagine? In God's time, when he was ready, Galatians 4, 4 says, In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. God told, he moved the heart of this governor, this king, Caesar, that he should take a census. And so he moves Joseph to Bethlehem so that Messiah can be born there. Not convenient. It's difficult. There's no place for them to to be, because the town is full of people who are traveling. I made the mistake yesterday, like, I, normally, like, I can be like a, a, a travel ninja, you know, like, weaving in and out of traffic, you know, like, getting where I want to go. I went to the mall yesterday. <laughs> oh, right, you know, I'm like, it's so simple. All you gotta do is, is, is get right like by pier one and make a left, you know, and you're out of the mall. And it was like, it took me 45 minutes just to get from down by the movie theater to the exit. I'm like, what what is going on here, people? Let's go. But, but everybody's out and they're moving. And so there's no place when Joseph and Mary arrive. There's no convenient place for them to stay. And so when she gives birth, there is no prepped and ready unoccupied crib for this child and so it says they place him in a manger i was thinking about the birth of my own kids each one of them right you know when when they were freshly born they were washed and clean, and then we wrapped them up tight and they put a little sock on their head you know they squirt that stuff in their eyes, you know, like, and, and then the they put the little foil heart on them and they connect it to the thing just to make sure that they're, they're doing well. It's a little heart monitor thing. At least they did this 18 years ago when Sam was born. Um, and, uh, and then they put them in this little box, right? It's like a little clear baby carrying thing with wheels, right? And then they wheel them all over the place, this little, little place, little safe place. And so I think as Joseph... He's got this new baby. He's like, where are we going to put this kid down? Let's put him right over here in the box in the manger. Now, I don't want to mess with anybody's hymns or traditions, but I'm thinking, like, if it were me, I'd be like, let's clean all that hay out of the manger so no cow or pig or duck or whatever else we got in this place comes over here. I don't think there are any ducks. The Christmas duck next year on the Hallmark Channel, right? You know, I think like, let's clear the hay out. So that no farm animal comes and tries to take a bite out of our kid, right? You know, let's put him safe in the truck. But I I don't have that on authority. I'm just, I'm thinking if it were me. The story of salvation, of forgiveness from sins, of union with God has been building to this point in the scriptures. When God was ready in the fullness of time, he sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, and Jesus enters the world humbly. He doesn't even have a proper place to be laid when he's born, and he's placed in a manger. He identifies with us fully, and I believe he identifies with all kinds of human beings, not just the richest of the rich, but the humblest of the humble, the poorest of the poor. He takes on our humanity and he enters the world as a precious child and he's placed into a safe place so that he can grow. Hebrews 2.14 speaks about his identification with us. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, that's us, we've got flesh and blood, he, that's Jesus, himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus enters into our existence. He's born of a woman. He's born under the law. He takes on our lot in life that he might redeem us from the slavery of fear of death. The gospel begins in a manger. But what we see, the story moving on, we see the manger is now converted from a place of safety and rest into a sign. The scriptures go on and say that there were some shepherds out in the field. They're out there working. They don't get Christmas Eve or Christmas Day off because there is no Christmas yet, right? You know, so they're out there doing their thing, keeping watch over their flock. By night, shepherds were considered dirty unwanted untrustworthy this goes all the way back in the bible when joseph is bringing his family into egypt he says tell pharaoh that you're shepherds and he's going to put you out in a good land far away from pharaoh why because it's like oh their shepherds treat them really well no shepherds are nasty and we move them away like, we give them, we send them far off. And so, so these shepherds are out in a field, no one misses them, no one is wondering where they are, and the scriptures say, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear, with great fear, it says. Now, we've had 2,000 some odd years to consider this scene, right? You know, And so maybe the shepherds in the scenes that we see are like looking up and they're like oh, angels like we've you know angels we've heard on high like we've got hymns about this you know they get like their their christmas pose on right you know but that's not what it was like the first time when when people see angels in the bible it's not like ooh, pretty celebrate it's terror is what what grips them in the the book of isaiah Right? Isaiah chapter 6, when the Lord appears and Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up and full of glory, Isaiah's response is not like, oh, I'm going to write a praise song. He says, woe is me, I am undone. I am destroyed. This is the end of me, is what he's thinking. And so these shepherds are out there in the field, minding their business. Angels appear, and they're probably thinking, what have we done? Why is God coming to kill us? Which is good news. Because what Jesus, I mean, what the angels say, sorry, went to the default mode. It's always like what Jesus says, what Paul says. What the angel says is, fear not. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You know, you know how people are. They're like, really? Like, for everyone? For this person too? For, for me? Um, yeah, for you. For you. It's good news, right? Think about it. But my, 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 my family has struggled somewhat with obtaining free coffee post-Ravens win, right? <laughs> if you don't know about this, Dunkin' app, you know, you have a Duncan card on your app you go to the drive-through, even if you have no money left on your card, if the Ravens won the day before, you're like, me, really, I don't, I don't see it, I have no assurance that, that it's gonna come to pass. I guarantee you, if you show that little code, after, right after you order medium, coffee, cold, or hot, they will scan that and they will hand you free coffee. They will, for me, for you, for you, it's for everybody shepherds included in the gospel blessing are they included in the promise they're scummy they're bad yes for them too the gospel is for everyone and the good news the angel says this is good news of great joy which is for all the people and the shepherds are at the fringe of society. He goes on to give the substance now of this truth. For unto you is born in this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Wow. This kid that we're going to go see is the Savior? This is the one that we've been, been hoping for and waiting for, the promise from Abraham, the promise from David. This is the fulfillment of it? And the angel says, "I'm going to give you a sign so that you know it's going to come to pass. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws Right? That's not amazing. That piece? That's pretty normal. Every baby. Like this is what they, what we do, right? You know, baby, fresh born, wash them, clean them up. You know, put a little something on their head and wrap them up. Put them in a crib. Put them in a proper bed. No, no, no. You're going to find this baby in a manger. This is not." exceptional this is i mean this is exceptional this is not not normal normally babies are are put in a place prepared for them the lord was laid in some place that was improvised so they receive the sign of the manger And then it says, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The work of this Savior, the work of the one who would come would be to save his people from their sins, to open the way that humans, that, that man and God could be at peace with one another. The message of the scriptures up to this point have promised this and said that it would come, but they were waiting for it. It had not yet come to pass. This one, when he grew, he would live underneath the law. He came and took on human flesh and he would go to the cross and die in the place of any who had sinned. And so the song that they're singing here is that God will be glorified because his wrath will be fulfilled in Christ and their sins will be paid for by his sacrifice. And God won't say, okay, punishment has been laid out, now therefore go away. Instead, he'll say, you can be family. We can be one. We can be together on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angel doesn't say, and you got to wait 30 years. The angel says, you're going to see a sign that it's so. You're going to go look, and you're going to find this baby in a manger, and you're going to know that this is what's going to come to pass. So, the reaction. First We have the fact that Jesus was laid in a manger. Then we see the manger converted into a sign. And then I believe that we can look at the shepherds and we can say that the manger is the key to their reaction. It's the key to their knowing what's going on. You know, the star of the story here is not the shepherds, right? They're not the heroes. star of the story is not Mary or Joseph. I think there are, there are two heroes here and one of them is Jesus. He's the main star. This is his origin story, right? This is him coming into the world and, and taking on human flesh and, and he can't do anything yet because he's just fresh and new and besides he's all wrapped up, right? You know, and he's just laying there throughout the story but that's his purpose here is to be born. The second star is the manger itself, it is the sign. It's a stage. It's the platform for the drama to play out on. They see the manger and it points to what is contained within it. It is the sign that, that indicates that all that's been said to them and promised to them is true. You ever wonder what it was like for them to look? Right, like they didn't, they didn't have the star. That's for the wise men. The wise men came. Like, they probably had to, like, peer in windows or knock on doors or something. Like. So there's a little bit of, of, a, of a, maybe a creepy vibe going on. Like, you know, they just keep appearing. Like, is this a place? You know, go away, like shrieking in Bethlehem, you know, as they move from place to place. But they, but they find the house, right? And Mary and Joseph are probably not weirded out by this at all. You know, Mary had angels appearing in her house. Joseph's got angels appearing in his dreams, you know. This is, this is probably getting to be normal. Yeah. you know like oh, people at midnight okay cool you know and so and so the shepherds show up and they find the child lying in a manger it says they made haste and they found him when they saw it they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child we were out in the fields there were angels they appeared we were like we're gonna die and the angel said don't fear Good news, a savior's been born and they and they 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 told us that he was for us. And I think for Mary and Joseph it was probably still new. They had they had heard promises, they had heard things and maybe they were like, are we are we ima- like are we imagining this? I mean everybody thinks their kid is like the cutest and the most special and you know, like are we just, you know, they, 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 they have these people come and visit and tell them, and their faith probably grew. The, the verse says that Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in their hearts. But the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And, and it said that they made known the saying... All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. I think they spread this news. They began to share and they were like, the Messiah has been born and we saw him. This is what we heard. And, and, And it says that people marveled at it. Seeing the baby lying in the manger was proof that all that God had promised was true. All that God had promised was true. He gave them the full good news that the Messiah would, would be the savior of the people. But he was not going to be savior yet. They would have to wait for it. And so the sign of the manger, finding the baby in the manger, is a down payment so that they know that it's, that it's true, that God would follow through on everything. Their response is to go and tell. So let's rewind and think about the dog in the manger for just a second. The manger is prepped and ready and full of good things. And the dog comes and finds comfort in the manger. And then he keeps it all for himself. And when others come, he doesn't allow access. As we consider Jesus and Christmas and the reaction of the shepherds, let's consider this, that good news is comforting. It is for us. Your theology and understanding of who Jesus is and who you are in Christ and what Jesus has accomplished in your life and what he has delivered you from ought to be deep and wide and it ought to be humbling you ought to you ought to hear of what jesus has delivered you from and be moved to gratitude and thanks to god but don't make the mistake of then thinking that this is about you the story is not about the shepherds the story is about christ The story is about the one who came to deliver us, and he is placed in the manger, and the manger becomes a platform that others can see Christ. And so when we think about what we want to be, don't be a dog, right? Be a manger. Be a receptacle or a platform on a stage that makes Christ known so that he can be seen. I believe that we are living in a time that is shaping up to be incredibly honest. John is absolutely right. When he said this morning that Merry Christmas is coming back into vogue, right? Our culture decided that it wanted nothing to do with God. The powers that be were like, remove God from this place and that place, and you know what happened? We thought, oh, we'll just take religion out of everything and everything will get better and happier. You know what's happened? Everything's gotten darker and worse. The mistake would be to try to ram it back into all these cultural places and to say, let's just put everything back to the way it was. You know what? Instead, we have an opportunity as believers to say, there is good news here. That Christ is for you. That he desires for you to come. That he will satisfy you and meet your needs in a way that money, pleasure, Power, comfort, all the things that you desire and crave and want, you, you receive them, and then you find that they're empty. I, I, I believe that I have beaten the expensive technology will cure my life bug. I think I have. I think I have. Right? I've not yet succumbed to the internal pressure and bought an Apple Watch. I'm like holding it out there. like not going to do it. Right? And that, that proves to me that I'm winning the, the fight. Because you know what happens? I get myself in this place. My wife has seen me wrestle where I'm like, oh, if I just get this thing, this little device, it will solve all my problems. You know what happens? You get it, and nothing's different. Now you gotta like just talk to people all the time. Yeah, you got that thing. You know? Like we, we think that by acquiring or by attaining some goal that all of our problems will go away. The world knows deep inside that all of these things are unsatisfying but there is no answer and they come looking for answers we have an amazing opportunity people are gathering celebrating enjoying and they're doing so in a time of tremendous stress rumors of wars financial struggles. Our society is, is going through so much strain and turmoil and they can come to the manger. And so my encouragement to you is make sure that there are good things there. Make sure that Christ is there and that he can be seen. And don't bark at the world. Don't bark at people when they come seeking something good when we make christianity about something other than christ when we make it about being good we we bark and attempt to drive people away we might not mean to but that's what we're doing when we make church unwelcoming to those who seek when we say you got to do this 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 this, this and this and this and this before you can even walk through the door you gotta you gotta have everything cleaned up we bark at the world when we make the mistake of, of turning Jesus into a representative of our politics, whether it's on the right or the left, we bark at the world and we say that, 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 you know, clearly if Jesus were alive, he'd vote for this person or for this party or for this. Like, ugh, don't do that. He transcends that. Jesus is king of everything he could do a much better job than any politician we've ever had in power, in any kingdom, in any place on the planet ever. When we focus on the sins of people instead of focusing on their eternal spiritual condition, we bark. When we masquerade like we've got it all together and we have no need and we no longer identify with them and their plight we bark at them and we drive them away the gospel is for our comfort and our joy but it is not a limited resource to be protected the bible says that god's mercies are new every morning we get into this stage of Christmas, right, and, and my wife gets into this mode where she's like, I got to bake, I got to bake, I got to bake, I got to bake, right? You know, and at first, it's like, don't eat all the cookies, like, right at the very beginning, and then she, like, outstrips our ability to eat cookies, right? Like, you, the cookies just keep on coming and coming and coming, and there's more, and there's more, and there's more, and like, there's more, we can't eat that many cookies, right? You know, there's always something coming out of the oven. There's always something new. That's the way the gospel is. There's always more. There's always more. There's never a lack, there's never a limit. There's more, there's more for everyone. There's enough out there to meet the needs of the entire world. And so as the world comes to eat, as people look for meaning, as they quest for answers, let's make it our prayer that we display Christ. Jesus is to be seen. He's to be seen through us. Let's not obscure him. Instead, let's offer him to the world. That is our mission. There's good news. The gospel is for us. God is for us. But he is also for those who desperately need him. That's good news. Let's pray. Father, as we light the last candle... of the Advent wreath, we are thankful that that we've been able to spend time focusing on virtue, on love, and joy, and peace, and, and hope. But all of these things are just ideas if you don't enter into the world in flesh. If you don't take skin upon yourself if, Lord, you don't enter into our world and live that perfect life to cover all of our sin, if you don't take on flesh for us, all of our virtuous attention, all of our obedience, all of our, of our trying to appease the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's all for nothing because we cannot do it. And so we are thankful that at the center of the wreath, there is a candle For Jesus, it's just a symbol, but it's an important one. We pray that at the center of all that we do, at the center of our motivation for sharing with others, that that of our speaking up for holiness and righteousness and goodness, that we would do so in humility, hoping, praying, speaking, working, that others might come to know Jesus that they might see that you will never leave us or forsake us, that they might see that there is a peace, even in the midst of difficulty and storms, that passes our ability to attribute it to our circumstances or our feelings. Father, we pray that, that we would be vessels entrusted with amazing treasure ready and willing to share with all who need to hear it, Lord. We pray this by your grace, for your glory, and for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing this closing song together.